Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Listening to Nurses Out Loud Friday edition on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am your host, Nurse Michelle. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners if you have questions or comments from anything from this show or previous shows or just about medical in general, or perhaps you want to share your own experience with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare or questions in general that you would like to share with us. Send them directly to our email, nurses at americaoutloud.com. We will be featuring your questions and comments every Tuesday on a special Q&A episode with the nurses. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Now, today I have a return guest, Pastor Jeff Crippen. And we had his first show back in December of 2023, dealing with domestic violence and abuse within the church, evil in general within the church. And today our topic is going to be verbal abuse is murder. And I want that to just sink in and let you think about that, because perhaps you have heard somebody say to you before, that they're in an abusive relationship and you actually inquired about what they meant by that. And perhaps they said to you that the man or the, the wife was very verbally abusive to that person. And perhaps you thought, well, that's not actually abuse. And you were among the population of people that did not want to categorize that as abuse. Perhaps you're something, someone like what happened to my own daughter, that when she did report abuse, the first thing that the uh, religious people wanted to find on her was physical evidence of bruising, harm, or physical harm, as if abuse could only be validated if there was actual physical signs of abuse visible on her body. And in the absence of evidence of physical abuse on the body in the eyes of the judge that is making that judgment at that moment, it's natural perhaps for people to make the deduction that in if you don't see some physical evidence of abuse, how dare you actually claim there's abuse? And I'm not sure how many of you realize this, but I mean, if a child actually is even being abused, think how little they lack the vac- vocabulary to even describe what's actually happening to them, what what's actually happening in their home if they're in a verbally abusive home is actually just changing them as human beings. The way that they are developing, the way that they d- respond to stress or their environment is literally being shaped by the verbally abusive home. So when a woman or a man is testifying to you 
that they are saying that they're in an abusive relationship, it is worth it to find out what they actually mean by that, because it is your job to be a helper to them if you call them your friend. But today, Pastor Crippen is going to uh, expound on this for us and make sure that we are not among the population that don't understand the gravity of what verbal abuse actually does do. So welcome back, Pastor Crippen. So thankful to have you here again. Thank you, Michelle. Glad to be here. And he also has a column now on America Out Loud. If you are one of the people who subscribe to the articles that are published by the authors here on America Out Loud, Pastor Crippen has a column every Thursday, and sometimes it shows up on other days as well. But there is a column every week by Pastor Crippen. He's one of our regular contributors now. So be sure to subscribe to our columns here on America Out Loud and make sure it shows up in your inbox. So what do you think about this phrase, verbal abuse is murder? Why don't you take us somewhere with that? Well, I didn't come up with that myself. Uh, Jesus did. <laughs> and so the uh, let me let me just start before I, I'll show you a couple scriptures here that that support this claim, abuse as murder. But it's probably good to go ahead and uh, read my definition of abuse so everybody knows what we're talking about here. Um, abuse is a mentality of entitlement and superiority that evidences itself in the various tactics the abuser uses to obtain and enforce unjustified power and control over another person. The abuser thinks that he is absolutely, or she sometimes, absolutely justified in using these tactics to maintain this power and control. Abuse is affected in many ways, both physical, including sexual, and, and here it is our topic for today, and non-physical, verbal and emotional. It can be active physically or verbally or passive, like not speaking or not acting. And so abuse is not limited to physical assault, all right? So that's what we're saying today. Abuse is murder. And of course, initially, we you know, that would strike you as being an exaggeration. But check this out here. Um, You've heard that it was said, this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said to those of old, he's referring to the Ten Commandments here, you shall not murder, right? And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, and he's not changing the law, the Ten Commandments, what he's doing is saying, I, I need to correct the application of what you've been taught by the rabbis and so forth, all right? I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So what Jesus is saying is what you can pick up in Romans 7, when Paul says he, un he finally understood that the law is spiritual. And the commandment that nailed Paul on this was the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. And it hit him. It hit him that, wait a minute, coveting is something I do from my heart. It's not taking up a knife and literally murdering, murdering somebody. So the law is spiritual. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying God looks at the heart. 
you can be a murderer and never physically kill someone. Nevertheless, in God's sight, um, it's if you if you're angry with your brother, I'll show you another one here in from First John. Well, I say show you. We're just doing audio, but uh, I'll I'll read it to you here um, in First John chapter three. Then um, it it uh, John really really nails it down for us here. Get this thing pulled up so I can read it. It's verses fourteen and fifteen. Okay, now check this out. We know that we have passed out of death into life. We know we've been born again, that we're Christians, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, here, here's the nail in it. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, think this through then. What John is saying here is, let, let's take the abuser as I defined him. Does the abuser hate his wife? Well, that's like a duh thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. of course, that, that's what the whole thing is. He, he doesn't love his wife. He hates his wife. Well, then God's word says he's a murderer. And abuse then is murder. I heard it recently said this way, abuse is, in, in that case, it was an article about stalking, but same thing here. Uh, murder, or I'm sorry, abuse is murder in slow motion. Wow. All right. That, that really nails it. M yeah. Abuse, murder in slow motion. So, yeah, that abuse is murder. An abuser is a murderer. Yeah, we don't actually talk too much in the church settings about what a person actually is, that they're not just the person we see right there in front of us. They are mind, body, soul, and spirit, not just the body. We, we're looking at each other's bodies in a religious setting. We, we know that there's a soul in us. We know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, uh, but we don't really... I think Christendom in general has definitely not given much credit to the the importance of the mind and the impact on the mind to what happens. Like, why, why do we want our kids not to be looking at certain things? Because we don't want their mind corrupted. We don't want their heart corrupted. We don't want their habits corrupted. But in a in a family or in a marriage or a relationship where the mouth that's speaking is actually destroying that person's actual personhood, like who they are, who they see themselves in Christ, who they see themselves in the eyes of the world. If, if this is a person using their tongue to tear down that person, either making them believe they are ugly, useless, no good, no value. It's the opposite of what God sees them as. Exactly. So yeah, you're right on your point about, um, uh the soul or the spirit so um what's happening there john also says in first john four um test the spirits we think well, wait a minute what do you mean test the spirits he says because many false prophets have gone out from among us so behind everybody everybody there's a spirit now it's either going to be the holy spirit in a christian or it's going to be 
a spirit that's operative because of the devil, because he holds uh, those people in, in bondage. So what is that spirit really? And as Michelle said, we see people outwardly. And of course, the devil is a master liar and master of disguise, and so are his servants. So we see what looks like a nice guy or a really sound Christian, you know, an eminent saint or something. But what's the spirit? That's what John means. Test the spirits. What's the spirit that is behind this person who that defines who that person really is? And and a lot of times that takes a real long period of time to find out. And how did somebody do that? How would you be, what would be your advice for somebody trying to learn how to test the spirits of something that they're, because probably their own conscience and their gut that the Lord gave them is telling them something's wrong. I know something's wrong. This, this spouse is telling me they're being abused by them, but the outward appearance of this person gives all appearance that they're a good guy. He's, do, he's doing good deeds. Let's say he looks good. He performs good. Maybe he provides good financially for the family. Maybe he's doing very well successfully. Maybe he donates well to the church. But how do they test the spirits? Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to do it by God's word. <clears throat> that means you've got to, <clears throat> we have to face up to the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, that we've been, most of us as Christians, if we've especially grown up in the church, most of us have been taught wrongly on on this topic and other topics too, but we've been taught wrongly so often things like, <clears throat> it's wrong for me to judge another person. If a person says they're a Christian, then I am to accept them in all their flaws and everything, and <clears throat> I'm to assume then that that, is a, that that person's a Christian, I'm supposed to be forgiving, and oftentimes that Forgiving is really uh, just a, another word for for excusing, excusing what, as you said, my gut <clears throat> is telling me. But Jesus said, we will know them by their fruits. <clears throat> so what we've got to do is we've got to look at their actions and not so much at, at their words, but what are what are they what are they doing? And the thing can be really really deceptive i've been friends friends i thought of these kind of people these abusers for 15 or 20 years before the lights went on for for me so it could be it's extremely deceptive but but i would say first of all be very attentive to unguarded moments because inevitably, the, the narcissist, the abuser, whatever, their mask is going to slip sometimes. And for instance, you might note, and it gives you a little bit of an unsettled feeling <clears throat> that, boy, this guy, he really, it's like he did just in a, in a second, you got this glimpse of another person, uh, and maybe in the way he talked to his wife or talked to his, his children or something like that, or or to you even. And or it's just some facial expression of contempt toward you or to, towards somebody else. It's those unguarded moments when the mask slips 
that that we our tendency is to excuse that. Well, hey, nobody's perfect. Oh, I, I that's no big deal. I I'm not I must be imagining things or, or something. Well, you're not imagining things. Um, and I, I think for me that has been the most you know, I remember I took a, a fella, a friend of mine, <clears throat> he died of cancer some years ago, but I took him on a not long before he died in my drift boat down the river fishing and and he told me and, and he worked for one of these guys and that I knew too and and uh <clears throat> he he told me he said you know Jeff we'll call the other guy John okay uh you know Jeff there's two Johns there's the John that you see at church and there's the John that I work for through the week and he just left it at that Wow. And, and but at that moment it was like things started churning in my thinking. And uh yeah. So I, I would say that. Watch for the unguarded moments and don't just blow them off. Yeah, maybe when they're sick or in pain or something's going wrong in their family, you something more likely the guard may go down in those kind of moments. Maybe a kid is coming forward and telling the truth about what's happening and this person's now got to be on defense mode. Maybe that's where it's going to bring it out as well. Or the wife yeah. coming forward to the pastor and saying this is what it's like actually behind closed doors with this person. And this person isn't physically abusing them, but they're verbally destroying them. So right. uh, and you were going through these verses about testing the spears. I think that was wonderful doing that. You, I'm sure you've dealt with quite a bit of verbal abusers. So how do, when women do come, let's, I am assuming that you get it more often maybe with men, um, but maybe not, maybe I'm wrong about that. How do you um, help the person that's testifying that they are experiencing verbal abuse, that it's something that truly is something that, the the person reporting it has a right to walk away from you know because in the, in the secular world if you're in a verbally abusive relationship it's like well what do you mean do i have a right to walk away from it but in the religious world of course i'm going to walk away with somebody who's really a bad guy or verbally abuses me but it's not quite as simple as that it, it, but within the christian world it's like this is not adultery so um you can't really leave a marriage because somebody's a verbal abuser. How do you handle that as a pastor? Well, so number one, um, and of course, it took me a long time to wise up to this point. But number one, you believe them and tell them that you believe them. Okay, tell them. Then, of course, you're going to uh, try to provide them with some input, give them a book or something on the subject that um, so that they can be educated about what they're, what this thing is that they're going through. See a lot, a lot of um, uh, victims, they're reluctant to call it abuse. That sounds like such a strong word and a foreign word. They're, so what, but what you can do is begin to help them get educated. Look at, this is what abuse looks like. And what will happen is the lights will, well, wait a minute. That's in the book that I wrote. I've had people, victims that read it, get back to me and say, "How did you know? How did you know what's going on in my home?" Well, it, it's because these guys all go to the same school. You know, that's how they operate. So you can help them that way. 
But also then, I think the subject that we're talking about here today, I would tell them that. said, you're being, um, what you're experiencing is murder in slow motion. You are being slowly murdered, killed, poisoned. Use the word poison if you want here. Um, and, and then to begin to talk to them about the effects of this. Why are we saying abuse, what you're experiencing is, is murder? Well, I'd, I'd show them these verses that we just looked at here, first of all. And, and, uh, and they're going to have some trouble facing up to that. I mean, who wants to hear that their spouse that they've been married to for 20 years or whoever and who vowed to love them actually hates them? and never loved them, never did. I mean, that, that's kind of a hard thing to face up to, but once you face up to it, then you're you're on the road to recovery and, and freedom. So those let are the- Let me ask you this. So when they go before a marriage and they're giving vows and they say those vows, they always will say love, honor, and all these wonderful things. You're, you're vowing that you're going to do that to the other person. So if this person is actually not like you're saying, they don't love you if this is what they're doing to you. So they're actually breaking the vow of the marriage. Right. Exactly. It's unfaithfulness. It is a form of unfaithfulness. Right. It's covenant unfaithfulness. And so here's the thing, you know, you go down and you buy a car on time payments and you sign a contract. You buy your house and you get a mortgage with a bank and you sign a contract, right? What happens if you violate those contracts in the world? Well, there's consequences. You broke the co the covenant. That's it. The repo man is coming and that's how it goes down. That's how we operate all the time until it comes to the marriage covenant. Well, now, why is that? What, why is that that... that uh, the marriage covenant, oh no, th that one you can break. Well, hold on. That ought to be like more important than any other covenant in, in the world because we took it in the presence of witnesses in the church before God. You made, you made those vows. How is it okay to break those vows and there not be any consequences at all? That you're just, well, that's it. You know, the marriage covenant is unbreakable you know no you you just you can't leave that you're in this thing for life got to keep taking the poison you know so um so yeah that is another very very important point it isn't the victim of the abuse that break that really affects the divorce it's the abuser because they've broken the covenant the victim is just going to do the paperwork and uh, uh, they're waiting for the whatever your state's law is for the like in Georgia, it may be a 30 day uh, divorce from the time you file. That's the state law. Another state, it might be yeah. you have to be separated for a year uh, before you can file for divorce. That's the state law. That's the path out of the marriage that is already been broken. The vow and the covenant that was made on that wedding day has been broken by the verbal abuser by failing to love their spouse. So then how do you help? Maybe after we come back from after the break, we'll, we can expound a little deeper, but we have about three minutes before the break right now. And we could address what you would say, how people understand that what we're talking about here, we're not talking about the day that 
a spouse comes home and they're grouchy after a hard day work or they got fired or something, um, they lost a, a particular part of their job and it didn't go well and they're just having a rough day. We're not talking about a moody uh, hormonal day for a female. We're talking about actual verbal abuse. And I guess that gets put on a spectrum, doesn't it, of how the human mind judges, oh, I don't think you're really being abused. That doesn't sound like really bad verbal abuse. So how do you help people with that? Yeah, well, I would tell them, how long has this been going on? How often does this happen, you see? And and try to show Let's look at some specific areas of your life. Let's look at economics. How is the mon- money handled in, in, in your home? Oh, well, my husband does that. Well, okay, uh, can you go spend? What happens if you go to the store? How are you told how much you can spend? These can- to Try to help them see the economic abuse that is so frequent and that, and that goes on so that they can be uh, made aware of that. And, and uh, it's just slowly, it's going to take some time for their eyes to open. It took time for mine to open. And, and, uh, but then to start getting into, like you said, in the second half here, we can get into that more. Tell them, I just say things like, you know what, you're being poisoned. There's, it's like poison being put in your drink Every day, every single day in your food is poison. If you knew that somebody was doing that to you, how? what would you do? Would you just take it, you see? And, uh, uh, and so they need to, yeah, they need to realize that. Well, when we come back from the break, we will definitely pick up with the, that particular point about poison. Um, don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop, where you can find all the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate, including ASEA Redox Gel. And if you've listened to my story post-hip recovery, you know how much the gel has immensely helped me cope with pain without having to use any kind of pain meds. So you can find that um, in this shop and be sure to use the promo code out loud to save 15% off your purchase. And I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time in this Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol. 
which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at americaoutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. We're going to pick up where we left off with Pastor Crippen. I want to remind you all, though, that if this is a topic that you want to learn more about, he has written three books, and we want to make sure you know that those are in the America Out Loud bookstore. So, Pastor Crippen, before we go further, why don't you go ahead and list the name of those books out real quick for me? Yeah, the primary one on uh, domestic abuse and so forth is uh, Unholy Charade. Unmasking the Domestic Abuser in the Church, Unholy Charade. And then a second one, which is a compilation of a lot of the blog post articles on this subject I've written, is called Light for Dark Times. Light for Dark Times. And you have a blog by that name, Light for Dark Times. I also have my main blog is called Unholy Charade as well. So I write a couple articles a week on that and one a week on Light for Dark Times. So. And then uh, the other book is called Wise as Serpents, Wise as Serpents. And that is that has, that's a series of sermons that I preached on how to wise up to the tactics of the devil and the nature of evil, what it looks like and, and how it operates. And so um, that one should be there as well. If any of those aren't having any trouble, they're also on Amazon. So. Okay, so um, I want to where I want to pick back up is a comment that he made that I want to make sure you all understand that he was referencing. He said that these abusers all go to the same school and it shouldn't be a surprise to you when a person tells you something that shocks you about a behavior that you just have never witnessed in a particular individual. But the person who's in an intimate behind closed doors relationship with that person is telling you and reporting to you that there is something verbally abusive going on and and you're seeing this person's life look like there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on it. And um, he referenced that they all go to the same school. 
And I wanted you to expound on that because you've had so much experience discovering this, that it's not uncommon probably that once the testimony gets spoken, you may not actually hear the whole story of how they were abused until they're out and you start getting to hear their testimony. I'm sure it probably, once they're free of it, they realize what kind of bondage they were actually in. So what was it that you were saying that to help people understand these people do manifest very similar attributes when they are verbal abusers? Yeah, well, that's what happened to me is when I first started reading on the subject a long time ago, then things started jumping out at me that it happened to me, not in the setting of marriage, but in the setting of the church where these abuser, wicked people, narcissists come in and it have attacked me and so forth. And I thought, well, that's exactly what happened. I wonder how this guy knows. He, he, well, he's talked to a lot of them. And so he knows, and he's talked to a lot of victims. And so he's writing this book on it. And so I've given uh, my book, Unholy Charade, to abuse victims before, and then they'll, they'll come back and they'll do that. They'll say, how did you know? You know, you're like describing my life story. And it, it's simply because there's these tactics. Uh, and I say, well, they went, they all go to the same school, the school of evil. And uh, Jesus identified that, that same statement when he was uh, confronting the Pharisees. So in John 8, verse 44, he tells them, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Abuse is murder, see? He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Well, if he is their father, then they share the same DNA, right? The wicked, the, the sinner in bondage to, to the devil is going to evidence the same characteristics as their father. Just as a Christian evidences the characteristics of God, our father. Well, so here it is. You are of your father, the devil. And those are some pretty strong words. And we're talking about a religious authority. These are religious authorities he's talking to. So yep. people that were admired in that generation as the superior in uh, uh, the piety, the way that they walked and talked and looked like, they looked like the ones that were behaving the best. But in reality, they, they're being told that their tongues are graves. Their tongues are as deadly as a snake. Yeah, and nothing has changed. Today, it's the same. Uh, th those kind of people will always crave to be in power and control. And oftentimes that happens in the church. And so they rise to the top and uh, and control the, the whole church and can be the, the pastors and the elders and so forth. They crave those positions. Yeah. And in a church that really pushes the patriarchal model of the home very heavily, they are encouraging the women to be under submission, under submission, under the authority. And it's such a pressed topic that these kind of men are very attracted to those kind of churches. And the women are being more and more silenced in a very likely oppressive home within closed doors. So something's going to start showing itself and coming out. So there's some other verses that we were going to discuss, too, that actually tell you how verbal abuse is actually murder. So why don't you give us some of those? I think one was in James 3. 
Yeah, Michelle pointed out this one here, uh, James 3, 6 and following here. It's talking about the tongue. So here again, we're talking about non-physical abuse and it's uh, um, and how serious non-physical abuse. We're saying non-physical abuse is all abuse is murder, including non-physical abuse. Well, here's what uh, the Apostle James said. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and then the last punchline here, and set on fire by hell. Okay, so if you touch fire, it's going to burn you. Well, the tongue is this intense fire. That's how powerful speech is. That's how powerful uh, then words are. So you, you can't, you don't want to just say, oh, well, did he ever touch you? Oh, he never touched you. Well, then it can't be abuse. Well, God's word would differ with that, right? And so, um, from my the version, same, what version did you read that from? I read it from the ESV. Okay. And uh, let's see here. The King James is the tongue is set on fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on, fi on fire of hell. And then in eight, the but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Yeah. So see, there again, that's another image, a picture of abuse as murder. Um, w these w abusive words and facial expressions and all the nuances of communication that are affected as a tactic by the by the abuser it's poison so we say you know look if somebody's feeding you strychnine or cyanide um is that going to have an effect on you well of course we know that it's gonna yeah it's deadly well what god's telling us here is that the tongue and of course the tongue represents what words speech so the tongue is full of deadly poison so if you're being abused day after day after day which you will be if you're in relationship with an abuser because that's who they are even when they bring you flowers and say good things it's abuse. There's still that motive behind it. All their words are, it's poison. So you're being slowly poisoned. Abuse is murder. It, 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 it's like taking poison every day. And, and then it, that poison of those words carries over even into physical effects of poison. So I'd say, I would say most of the, longer term, well, even shorter term, abuse victims that I've talked to over the years, and there's been a lot of them, they almost inevitably have serious lingering health issues. So it's, and it's from the poison of you. It's that, it's that PTSD, it's that trauma. What do they call it in, in ongoing PTSD, CPTSD or something? Something okay. like, that. at any rate, um, they've, they've been poisoned 
So they've got MS, they've got cancer, they've got lupus, they've got all of, because think about it. If you're fired up, your immune system's fire, you're just fired up. You're walking on eggshells. There's this tension every day, every moment. That's got to have an effect on you physically. Abuse is poison and abuse is murder. Yeah, I would say you mentioned also that abuse can be passive and we may be able to do a whole show on just what passive abuse is uh, at a future time. But uh, uh, let's say a female that in the Bible is being referenced to as the weaker vessel. If a um, religious man is being passive in his lack of leadership or um, letting the, let's say, weaker vessel carry the load that maybe was meant for him to carry in some areas that you could see how that could also impact the health of a woman as well, that the body would actually crush under the weight of carrying two people's roles, perhaps. Oh yeah. I, it, uh, it, it actually, you can actually in talking to an, an abuse victim uh, over time and you're just conversing with them and they're telling you about their life what's happening you can feel yourself starting to just be weighed down it's like man how do you how does this lady carry that burden of you know homeschooling dealing with all the all the issues of 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 the children and oftentimes there's a there's a lot of them uh handling just everything that everything dumped on her and then in addition to that all of the active abuse and gaslighting and accusations and uh all of all of this way how how are you even alive you know being able to i i i don't i don't think i could do that the carrying of two loads or the the nonstop abuse. I've got a person that right now is not being physically abused, but her story is uh, she, she's married to a religious leader. And that person is making up stories about her to other people and making other people think she has mental health issues, almost like there is an attempt to um, part of the abuse is actually speaking evil of her so that other people will think bad of her. So that in the event that she finally does break away, like as if he knows he's going to be driving her away, that nobody will give her any credibility. I'm sure you've seen plenty of that. Right. Yeah. It's just another attempt to isolate and to remove all resources. It, it all comes back to that power and control, you know. So, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Okay. You also had mentioned um, abuse is murder as in this in the sense of abuse kills i guess what i would call the personhood the individuality of of a person and we were talking in the break about how um you a, a person can kind of wake up one day an abuse victim and say you know i remember decades ago when i was in college or something and i seemed to be happy then and doing lots of things and and what happened to the person that I was and and I've had lots of 
victims tell me this, say that exactly, you know, I wonder what happened to the person that I was. Well, the person that you were is progressingly being murdered. I suppose if you were going to illustrate it on a screen, it would be like they, they become increasingly transparent. It's like they're disappearing. C.S. Lewis wrote something about that, I think. And, uh, and so like, like, here's an example. This lady told me, he tortured me with emotional and psychological abuse until I thought I would lose my mind. During my time in that house of horrors, her marriage, I contemplated suicide for the first time in my life. I can remember standing in the laundry room one day, feeling the terrifying experience of my sanity beginning to slip away. So see here again, abuse is murder because it drives the victim to even suicidal thoughts as a way to get to get out of this you see and uh oftentimes the only reason that that a woman doesn't do that is she has children and and uh doesn't want to to leave them so um yeah there's all kind i've got quite a few illustrations of that in in this book here um which book is the is it in? Uh, in Unholy Charade, where where victims would tell me this. Uh, another one said, when one of our daughters needed surgery in a large city, I was incredibly daunted by the prospect of having to navigate on my own. It wasn't complicated. I had a place to stay the night before surgery, and I all I had to do was call a cab to get to the hospital. And after surgery, I would stay in the hospital with our daughter, but she said it was so daunting, just a simple task that years before would be, she wouldn't even have to, to think about, but then this, this growing, growing fear. But she says, for 20 years, my husband had hammered into me how every man on the street was just wanting, waiting to take advantage of me and that any woman without a man at her side was surely asking for all manner of trouble. And, and so it ate away at her faith and her self-confidence and all kinds of these wicked things. So that she was afraid to be out on her own without feeling like she was putting herself intentionally in a vulnerable position. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so, um, <laughs> When you said, while you're looking at any other reference you want to say, um, when you were referring to the medical issues and the impact on the women, the reality of the diseases called autoimmune diseases, those autoimmune diseases are basically your body turning on itself. So when you think about what marriage is, you're one in body and um, you're supposed to be one united in so many different ways. But if you are united with somebody who's regularly doing this to you, your body, because your mind and your spirit and your soul is your body. It's part of who you are, your mind, body, spirit, and soul. So your body is in a constant state of conflict, almost like it's turning on itself. You could almost see how autoimmune diseases would not be a surprising appearance in a, in these kind of unhealthy relationships. Right. Exactly. There, here's another one. Uh, this lady said, I used to be a strong, outgoing person. Now, a simple interaction at the grocery store leaves me replaying the moment over and over in my head. Was I rude? 
Was I stupid? Was I disrespectful? I'm constantly questioning myself to the point that I have, and here it is, lost myself. Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much that she lost herself. Herself got killed, right? And that, that's what another reason that we say ab- abuse is uh, abuse is murder. Yeah. If you, this goes, too, for any relationship, but it, it's especially damaging in, in marriage. But there are toxic people. They're poison. The narcissist, to be in relationship with a narcissist, for example, it, 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 it's poison. That's why they call it toxic relationships. And if you, I, I've had this happen to me in the, in the church. Maybe somebody is a, an officer in the church, you know, and, and they're there all the time. But over time, over time, they're always working to destroy your confidence in yourself and uh, because they want that power and control, they want that prestige. It's, it's, we, need to de- we desperately need to wise up to this and be able to identify those toxic relationships so that we're not taking that poison anymore. Right. There's another verse that we talked about on the break, too, from Romans 3.13. Comparing yep. it to a poisonous snake. Do you have that one that we can share with everybody? Um, yep. Okay. I got it right here. Romans 3.13. It has as its background um, verses in Psalms and so forth that say the same thing. Romans 3.13. Their throat. This is the wicked. Their throat is an open. Oh, I'm still on the King James. That's all right. Open sepulcher, a tomb. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. So here it is. You're married to an abuser, a narcissist, raisins, as I call them, you know, revilers, abusers, sociopaths, and narcissists. Um, um, You're getting bit by a venomous snake every day, multiple times. That's, I mean, that's what that verse is saying. Same thing as James was saying. That's the, the wicked, you know, the, the tongue is powerful. Our words are powerful. They're meant to be powerful in a good way to help people, to edify and build them up, but, and powerful in rebuking the wicked too. But if the wicked, <laughs> they're wielding that tongue, that speech, all, well, as James says, uh, everything around them is set on fire. It destroys. Profound. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yet another. Yeah. That you. Oh yeah. Proverbs have a whole lot of verses on on that same subject. And yet, in the church, local churches, this stuff is excused. That's why you see, as we look at these verses that are telling us this thing, God's telling us these things. But in fact, uh, um, I I want to maintain that. First of all, I, I say this: most Christians aren't. All right, M- most people that claim to be Christians are not Christians. They're not they're not born again at, at all. And th- this is a so this is a, a big problem. But one of the thing ways that we see this is that they don't believe the Bible. I mean, look at these verses that we are looking at right here about the tongue being poison 
and and how how damaging that is that this is that abuse is murder the bible lays it right out to us so you the, among christians among the church people they would be the first one to support somebody um recognizing that they are being poisoned or harmed in a verbally abusive relationship but instead it's the religious that tend to prosecute or persecute the woman claiming to be in a verbal abusive relationship. Right. So our conclusion is what? They don't believe the Bible. Yeah. They don't believe God's word. Uh, they probably don't read it that much. And what they believe is the traditions that they've been taught, that they're being taught. So the traditions of men uh, trump the, the word of God and, and replace it. So because otherwise, if you really believe what God's word is saying, that abuse is poison, that it's murder. Well, you wouldn't tell a woman she has to stay in that. You, you wouldn't excommunicate her from the church for divorcing this wicked poisoner. Right. This murderer. Right. You wouldn't do that. But that is what is happening so much in the churches. Right. And that verse that you brought up about the snake, the ASP, ASP, I looked it up and it says that 4% of untreated snake bites from this particular snake, because it's a very highly uh, lethal snake bite, 4% are fatal. So for those out there who are being poisoned slowly by um, a verbal abuse, there is treatment, there is help. And it, it, you don't want to be the 4% that it's fatal for. You don't want to be the one that your entire personhood, your identity, and everything about who God made you to be is fully killed. You want to be who God made you to be, who perhaps that person was attracted to and wanted to conquer and con make you his conquest or her conquest. Um, because as Pastor Crippen is showing us, these people are, are full of dead men's bones. They are not actually the true Christians, because a true Christian would not be doing this to you. They would not be poisoning you slowly. So we want to encourage you that are in the audience, that if you are in the verbally abusive uh, homes, we want you to be free from that. We want you to find the help and hope that's outside of that, and that the Lord loves you enough to know he would not want you to be in a poisonous situation. Right, exactly. So the truth will set you free. And there it is. That's the anti-venom, right? The truth of the word of God is right there for you, right? And you also said another comment. You said um, getting in a car wreck every day. It was comparable to getting in a car wreck every day. Right. So to, to be in relationship with an abuser is to be getting in a, in a, it's like getting in a car wreck. Think about this. You get in a car wreck, you get broken bones, bruises, lacerations, and so forth. So you've got to go to the hospital, get fixed up and then go home and recuperate and heal but if you keep getting in a car wreck every single day you're never going to heal it's it it's killing you ultimately a wreck's going to be going to be fatal well that's what's going on whenever you're in a relationship uh, uh, this abusive relationship it traumatizes you that's the car wreck traumatized constantly every every single day and until you get free of that which admittedly is not necessarily always easy to do but unless you eventually can get free of that you're just going to keep getting in the car wreck every day 
Well, what would you like to be the parting words for someone to uh, the book that's best for the person who feels like that's true for them? Which book would you pick from your three? That's one of the best ones for the verbally abused woman or man. Yeah, I'd say definitely start out with unholy charade. That one uh, really will directly address uh, all of all of those things and more and uh, should be a, a real help. Uh, for them to see what they're in and and how to get out of it. And he will probably be writing a column this week that coincides with this uh, um, message. So be sure to tune in and check out his article. He's always uh, on the America Out Loud subscriber columns for the authors here on America Out Loud. So be sure to subscribe and don't miss this. And we would love to hear some of your comments or your experiences. We'll happily address those on Nurses Out Loud. So you can send it to nurses at americaoutloud.news. And thank you again, Pastor Crippen, for coming in and expounding on this very complex topic that is plain of day written throughout the scriptures that clearly isn't getting taught to the masses or else we wouldn't have so many evil people prevailing in this country. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Glad to be here. We are in a war for truth here on Nurses Out Loud, and the truth is that verbal abuse kills. May those that are being slowly poisoned to death in verbally abusive relationships find help and hope in this message. Be sure to get his book, Unholy Charade, from the America Out Loud bookstore. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, remember, all our shows go to podcasts anywhere you listen to podcasts. Be sure to share and do your part in helping set people free. If you have been guilty of minimizing verbal abuse, I hope this has opened your eyes to the destruction verbal abuse causes. The last week of every month in 2024, Nurse Michelle will be addressing this pervasive topic of abuse among us. Join me.